have just joined in the New Beginnings Pool Gospel Church, 658 East 92nd Street in the beautiful city of Chicago, Illinois, where our pastors are Ronald and Karen Doherty. We welcome you, and if you are joining us on Facebook, please like, share, and comment. We are going to open up with worship with our sister, Keisha Moore. Good morning, everyone. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Won't you all stand to your feet and help me to worship our holy name, our, our holy Lord. We pray, we, um, we're going to sing Arise this morning. Arise, because we want the Lord to arise and take his uh, holy place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let your kingdom be established. Oh, ancient of days, you are good, and your mercy endures. And today we are going to hear from a married couple. 
our deacon, Dion Reed, and his lovely wife, <laughs> Natalie Reed, as they come. Thank you. Y'all are so nice. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know how Pastor Ron keeps getting me up here. I, um, I even asked him, I was like, look, I've been a member for a while. I'm pretty sure I should have some PTO time I can put in, you know, some, some sick leave, some something. Um, but obviously I'm here before you today, so it didn't really work in my favor. But it really is a privilege and an honor to be here in front of you all today in the house of the Lord. Um, before we get started, I want to give you all a few disclaimers. So I have two disclaimers. The first one is, is that this message, I am not on the mountaintop with this message. This is not something that I have overcome. It's not something that it's something that I'm going through currently, but I believe that God told me to speak about it today, which leads me to my second disclaimer. Um, this is a vulnerable moment for me. Um, this is something that I have never shared really with anybody except for my husband and my mom. So, um, so just bear with me if it's a few tears, um, if it's a few shakiness, uh, it's just my first time. So just bear with me. So the title of my message is Anxiety. And in order for you all to understand where I'm coming from in the word, uh, we have to kind of go down memory lane. So I'm gonna take you all with me. Uh, when I, growing up, I grew up in Streamwood, Illinois. It was, uh, some of you all may be familiar with it. It's a predominantly white neighborhood up north. And um, I was homeschooled until the fourth grade. And the fourth grade was my first year going into public school. And it was good, it was great. Um, I had lots of friends. I um, did well academically. Cool. So um, at the end of that year, my parents tell us that we are going to be moving to Country Club Hills, Illinois, which is a predominantly black neighborhood. So um, I was excited. I was excited because this would be the first time I was being able to be around my own people, being able to be around people I could identify with, people who could understand me. So moving there, I was excited. We get to fifth grade year and it's terrible. <laughs> it's my first year that I experienced bullying. It's the first time I experienced being picked on. It's the first time I experienced coming somewhere as my authentic self and somebody basically saying it's not enough. So, um, I, I hated fifth grade year. I would wake up, and my mom could attest to this, I would wake up every Monday morning and I would cry and I would cry. And I would just plead with her like, mom, please don't make me go. Please let me stay home. I just can't do this. Please let me stay home. And my mom, as gracious as she is, she would sit there and she would encourage me, she would give me hugs, and she would pray with me every morning. And she would send me on my way as she had to. Um, and that, which I didn't have language for at the time, was my first time dealing with anxiety. So fast forward a little bit to 2012. I'm on a train with a friend of mine, and we're on our way downtown. And um, at the time, 
these emotions hit me like a ton of bricks. It hits me like a wave has just overcome me. And I get into a panic just out of nowhere. It's like somebody's on the train out to get me. So I'm getting sweaty, my palms are sweaty, my heart is racing, and I'm telling him, I'm like, I can't stay on this train, I can't stay on this train, I have to get off this train. So he says, um, he says okay, so we get off, and I'm like, whew, okay, that was weird, I'm not a weirdo, maybe I am, but I'm not sure right now, like, let's just get back on. So we get back on, and it happens again, so we have to get off again. So we get back on again, it happens again, and we have to get off again. So we have to get off, and I'm like, look, we just gonna have to walk to Millennium Park because I can't get on that train anymore. So um, I didn't have language for this either, but at the time, this was my first time dealing with my first anxiety attack. And little did I know is that anxiety and anxiety attacks would be something that I dealt with all the way until present day. Um, just in a transparent moment, um, in the peak of my anxiety, I would deal with anxiety probably 80 to 90% of the day. And now I probably deal with anxiety about 40 to 50% of the day. So it's not the best, but it's better. Um, and it did, it, it plagued me in different ways. I would be at work and I would have to literally leave my post and I would just cry in the bathroom because it was so many emotions that I was going through. My emotions were just on 10 all the time. I would be in the mall with my mom and I would tell her like, mom, I can't stay here. I can't be around these people. I'm so afraid. And she would, um, she would let me leave. And so um, I started to distance myself away from friends and things. So. When the pastors, every time the pastors ask us to speak, I'm, I'll be honest, I feel like a fraud because I feel like I'm not able to regulate my own emotions, so what am I going to say to God's people? But God, being the gracious God that he is, he led me to Moses, and um, he didn't lead me to the part where Moses splits the Red Sea or he brings down the uh, Ten Commandments, but he led me to the part where him and Moses speak on the mountain. And he allowed me to see myself and who Moses was. This was the first time I had saw myself in Moses, um, word for word. And so I was, I was looking, I was like, wow, this is, this is literally me. So I was looking a little bit more into um, Moses and kind of what people were saying about him. But a lot of people um, think, and scholars and things, think that he dealt with social anxiety. Um, me personally, I don't like to label myself. But um, after I read into social anxiety more, I started to understand this is exactly what I go through. So what is social anxiety? It is when social interactions cause irrational anxiety, fear, self-consciousness, and embarrassment. The fear of feeling ashamed or shame. So we're just going to be jumping around Exodus chapter 3 and 4, and we're just going to be walking through the text of Moses and God's encounter. So chapter 3, verse 10 in Exodus, God says to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God starts by communicating his trust in Moses. We know from scripture how much God loves his people, that he sent his only son to die for them. God's people are precious in his sight. Therefore, he is careful about who he entrusts them to. But I think a detail that Moses may have missed when, he, when God was talking with him is that he was included in that freedom God was soon give to the Israelites. Moses was now alone in a foreign land and had been there for 40 years with the last memory of the Israelites being that of rejection. So I don't think it's far off to say that Moses may not have identified with them at this point. The Israelites may have been in physical bondage, but Moses was in bondage within himself. 
With God calling Moses, it meant that he would have to leave the foreign land that he identified as safe and come under the covering of where safety truly lied. God was meeting with him to call him back to where he was hurt and to face the true reality instead of the false reality that he allowed himself to believe. See, when God said to bring my people out, Moses thought they, when he should have been thinking we. So we're going to start unpacking this in the next five points. Point number one, God is with you. Moses' first response to God is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Rejection from others causes our minds to find fault within ourselves. Our anxious thoughts tell us that we are inadequate and it highlights our lack. Although these feelings may not have anything to do with our actual performance or ability, we allow past hurt, trauma, and situations to tell us that we are not enough and we will face shame because of that. Moses' very first response reflects the fear of being ashamed and shamed because of the rejection that he felt. Let's think back. Moses was aware that he was an Israelite, according to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, when the Bible talks about him going out to where his own people were. But imagine the shame of growing up in a house where people remind you constantly that you are less than, that you should actually be outside with the slaves. And then for, you to, for your own people to look at you with jealousy because you're the lucky one that got out of slavery. Not to mention that the reason he was in Midian was, to, was due to him committing a murder and for all of Egypt to know of his disgrace and his shame. But what is God's response to Moses' question? I will be with you. Moses' focus was on the who am I when it should have been on the I am that was with him. God was letting Moses know that, that those inadequacies that you feel, that anxiety that you feel, the shame that you feel, I will be there to feel that. Because know that if God called you, he is walking it out with you to the very end. See, God is not about our progress. He is, about, he is not about our perfection. He's about our progress. We have all been in that place of feeling less than or anxious because of our lack and because of our past. Of our past. But when the question comes up, who am I? It should alert you of two things. It should alert you that your focus is incorrect. And it should let you know that this is an opportunity to actively shift your focus to who is with you. Point number two, God is the I am. Moses' reply, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Back in biblical days, a person's name meant a lot. It oftentimes provided insight into someone's character. So in this question, Moses is not only asking for the name of God, but he's actually asking for insight into his character. God's reply is, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This can also be translated to Yahweh. Looking a little more into this, I found out a little bit more about the name of Yahweh. This was interesting to me because God is just such an intentional God. So what could he have been communicating to Moses at this time since he also understood what Moses was going through? One thing that highlighted to me was Yahweh meaning breath. Someone who deals with anxiety, especially on a large scale, understands what it's like to lose your breath, to be faced with such fear that you forget to breathe. Well, some scholars believe that even the name Yahweh can be breathed, that when you take in a deep breath, it mimics the sound of Yah, and when you exhale, it mimics the sound of Way. I'm pretty sure some of y'all probably tried it out. <laughs> 
I am is the verb of existence, Hayah, which, which in Hebrew means to sustain. So in that moment, putting myself in Moses' shoes was God telling me that I know you're scared and I know you feel yourself trembling. But even when, sorry, <laughs> but even, even though what I have asked of you is causing you to be overwhelmed, I am the one who will sustain you. You have been running to find safety, but in the process are disconnecting yourself from your life source. You cannot survive this without the one who has given you your very breath. So breathe easy, my sons and my daughters, and let me show you how to breathe freely with me. Number three, God reassures me. Moses asks, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? What if is the classic way to start a sentence when someone is experiencing anxiety? For example, what if I'm too old to find love and to get married? What if I never fit in with my peers? Why am I so different? What if I waited too long to have kids? Will I ever get pregnant? What if I don't have enough for retirement? Will I have to work until I leave this earth? What if life never gets better than this? What if plagues so many of us because the future presents uncertainty? Although it was for his good, Moses was abandoned as a baby. He dealt with rejection. He lost his identity and was on the run for murder and lost his sense of security. Up until this point, Moses had lived a life full of trauma. Often the vision we have for the future is through the lens of that trauma. We, so we cling to our what is because guessing the worst gives us a false sense of safety. It predicts the worst. I won't be caught off guard if I feel like, if I try to predict everything that's going to, be, that's going to happen. But God's answer to Moses, what if, is to reassure him of who he is and the power that he holds. He shows Moses' wonders like turning his staff into a snake and having him put his hand into his pocket. And when he takes it out, it's covered in leprosy. And even still, if they do not believe him, he will even still provide by turning water into blood. God provides everything that we need, even when it looks like life is not going in our favor. He did it when his mother put him in that river. God is gracious enough to give us exactly what we need. So the next time a what if pops up in your head, remember the reassurance of God and that there is no limit to what he can do in every situation. Point number four, God will help and teach me. Moses said, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Scholars say that Moses may have had a stuttering problem. We often look at our shortcomings, especially when God is asking us to do something or we are entering into territory that is unfamiliar. But it was something interesting that popped up in my head when I was reading this, and I never had thought about it before. So I just want to submit this to you to put this on your thoughts. But now that we have become more knowledgeable of anxiety and the effects it can have on the body, did you know that stuttering can be a result of high anxiety, which can be a result of trauma that you experience? You see, our bodies were designed to let us know when something is not right within us. Your body needs words to release the trauma that is hurting it. And if you are not able to put language to what you are feeling, your body will communicate it and it will come up maybe in an eye twitch, maybe in tension in your back, or maybe even in a stutter. But God says, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say.
Rest secure that God knows all about our shortcomings. But while all we see is what we lack and what we cannot do, God is concerned about what he knows we are capable of. He doesn't always call the qualified, but he does qualify the call. So you may not have read all the books. You may not know as much as the person next to you, but God opens doors and he equips us to move forward if we have faith in, in what he is telling us to do. Number five, God will send help. Now, when Moses said this, I felt this in every fiber of my being, especially when Pastor Ron asked me to come up here and speak. Moses' last reply is, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Despite, <laughs> despite all God has told and showed Moses, he is convinced that he is not capable to do what God is asking. The scripture says that God's anger burned, but notice God's response. He doesn't write off Moses. He doesn't cast him to the side in his anger. He doesn't even speak to him harshly. Instead, he sends him help. He sends his brother Aaron because Aaron is somebody that, I, that Moses identifies as safe. And that is what Moses needs at that time. And if we are honest, sometimes identifying safety in God takes time to learn as we are allowing God to unravel us. So God sends help in the form of friends. He sends it in the form of mentors and even therapists. We need a space of safety because safety is a place where all good things stem from. I have to feel safe in order to feel love. I have to feel safe in order to feel joy. I have to feel safe in order to feel peace. So at this time will be the time that I give y'all my wrap up and I put a little pretty bow on my message. But um, I actually don't have a pretty bow to put on my message because like I said, this is something that I am going through currently. It's something that I struggle with right now. And I think um, sometimes if I'm honest, I feel like I've been in the tunnel for so long, sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of it. But what I do wanna do is I wanna pray. I want to pray for myself, but I also want to pray for you all who this message resonated with. So we can all just bow our heads. I'll close this out. Dear Lord, I thank you for today, Father. I thank you for this time that you have allowed me to speak to your people. Lord, I just thank you because you are in control. Father, I thank you that you, are, that you show up for us where we are, Father that you don't make us ashamed, that you don't cast us off to the side just because of the things that we are going through. Lord, I just pray that you would just open up our hearts and our minds to you, Father, that you would allow us to cast ourselves to the side and allow you to take the front. Lord, I pray that you would help us to let go of control, Father, and to trust in you because you alone are the one who will bring us through. Father, you are faithful and you are true, and I thank you for all that you are doing for us. I pray that you continue to be in this atmosphere as my husband comes forth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Can we just give another round for, for my wife? I'm actually like really proud of her because like that was a real vulnerable moment for her. And I think it, 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 it resonates with everybody, right? Because though, even though we may not identify as having anxiety, right? We've all had those what ifs, right? We all have felt on um, those lacks at time, right? So, um, 
Yeah, I just want to just I'm proud of you, baby. You know, I'm proud of you. And now I got anxiety because like she just gave this fire message. Right. And I got to come after it. Right. Um, and she do this all the time. She be at the crib tweaking like she don't got it. Then I she come up here, do that. And now I got to feel like I need to rewrite my verse. Like, oh, Lord, well, we going we going to get it, though. Yeah, let me let me spit this gum out. Cool. So we're going to get to it. Um, first, I just want to give honor to uh, my pastors in the absence and to Emeritus Pastor Joyce. Uh, I want to give uh, honor to the elders and the uh, ministers in the building and to just to the church and to the Lord who is the head of my life. And I'm um, just thankful for him allowing me to be a vessel for his word. You know, and I'm a deacon. I got to be a little bit more formal because, you know, usually I just get up here and get straight to it. You know, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> We gonna, we gonna get it. We gonna get into the word, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think it is interesting to me how the Lord uh, just like plants seeds and gives you direction and um, right, just 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 leads you to that path. Because uh, this word actually came to me uh, in March when we was fasting. Can you hear me, Nana? You can hear me. Okay. Um, it actually came uh, to me in March when we was fasting. Um, and my niece, Samaj, she was fasting with us. And uh, she's younger. When I seen her fasting, it was just like, can't be like a spark. Like, man, like you young and you like in here fasting with us. Like, that's what's up. And um, I was like, well, let's, let's take advantage of that. And uh, while you fasting, let's see if we can like get into some word, you know, um, just to like double down on her being in the spirit. And one of the devotions that we came up with was, uh, or came across was win the day. And what I liked about Win the Day is that um, oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, but all the time, in this walk of Christ, right, it's a long-term game, right? It's not, um, it's not a here and now, right? Obviously, we get the blessings and the favors here and now, but um, it is a long, the, the, the heaven, right, is either when we die or when Jesus comes back. So it's a very long-term game. And Win the Day to me was made it easier to digest. It was like instead of thinking about having to be on the up and up for right, 70 years. It's just like, let's just win today. And then, right, and then let's just win today. Um, and I used to joke, similar to Uncle Ronald, like, um, because of that, like, overwhelming feeling of having to be, like, on the right path for so long, like, I'll just get saved when I'm 70. You know what I'm saying? Like, once I'm done doing all my dirt and having all my fun, I just get saved when I'm 70. The Lord said he'll still accept me. And at that point, I'll, like, be old enough to really, I can only do is like watch Jeopardy and read the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I was like, that was my thing, you know, for real. Um, but yeah, just understanding, right, that it's not an instant, right? It's not uh, instant, right? It's not like a pop machine where you put your money in and you get your pop out automatically, right? Um, we People like uh, Pastor Ron, right, he, I think he has the direct line, right? When, when prayers go up, blessings come down. But I would think for the most of us, right, when we make that call, uh, oftentimes we get hit with the cue, you know, and like you are 7,471st in line, um, you can press two, we'll give you a call back and, you know, you will not lose your place in line, right? That's most of us. But um, in understanding, right, but what, in, 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 that, um, in that devotional, right, one of the main themes was if you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. And that really, really stuck with me and it hit me, right, because I think we do have to do the natural, right? And though we are of God and we uh, come from this royal family, um, right, life isn't just given to us. 
right? Right. We have to uh, do something, right? We gotta do something. Just the other day, I was uh, helping my goddaughter with her homework, and it was rhyming words. She had to rhyme some words, so. You know, the first question come up is like block. So I'm like looking at her like, what rhyme with block? And she just kind of looking at me like, I don't know. So I'm like, all right, clock, I got you. You know, I got you on that one. Even lock, all right, cool, you good on that one. So then the next word comes up and it's like cut. Like what rhyme with cut? She just kind of looking at me like, so I'm like, all right, you know, I got you. But, you know, you know, nut, got it. So the next word came up car. And she just looking at me, and I'm like, all right, now you got to do something. You know, like, you got to give me something, right? And I think oftentimes that is how um, God is with us, or that's how we are with God, right? We kind of looking like, do something, and he like, you do something, you know? Um, and, and, yeah, I think he, he's oftentimes just sitting there, right? We have that, like, back and forth kind of, like, you do something magical. And he's like, you do something spiritual. I mean, na natural, right? It reminds me of the GIF, and for the older saints, y'all might not know, but of, like, when P. Diddy, and he's, like, looking at the dude, and I think he about to throw this one right here, right? And they just kind of give him, like, a little stare-off of, like, like, you do something. You know what I mean? Like, we, like, you do something. Right, and I think oftentimes, right, we have to do our natural part for God to do the super. <laughs> you like that one? You like that one, Bishop? That was good. Um, but it takes me to this, to this, to this part um, where uh, a couple years back I got into a bad incident and I ended up having to go to the hospital and I had to get stitches. And you know, when you go to the hospital emergency room, you also get a bill. And when that bill came, y'all, I was just like. Can I return these stitches? I was like, my mama is a seamstress. She can do this. You know, like, it, this was a lot of money. Seriously. Um, it was a lot of money. And, and, and it, like, gave me a lot of anxiety. And it gave me a lot of, like, it, it was over my head for a long time. And if y'all they are persistent. So that bill came, like, every two weeks. So I would just see it and just be like, Lord, please take this, please take this bill away. Please take this bill away, you know? And then like, it'll come the next week and then they start getting over the late fees. So then it's like compiling. I'm just like, Lord, please take this bill away. Like, you know, help me out, Lord. All right, but I, I just was praying. It probably happened for like a year of just consistent two week notices, just bill, bill, bill. So finally, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do something about this. I'm, I'm gonna call, you know, I'm gonna get it taken care of. And I called. And um, you know, I give him my, my information, I give him the bill and everything, and she put me on hold. And I get back on there and she's like, the bill is paid, it's zero balance. And I was just like, it's been a long time. I know oftentimes y'all send this to collection, so like, is it just off y'all books or is it like gone, gone, you know? And she was like, no, Mr. Reed, the, the bill is zero balance, right? And it just kind of hit me of like, if you want God to do the super, you gotta do the natural, right? All I had to do was call. Right? It was a, I'm praying, I'm asking God to deliver me from this bill, and I ain't did not nothing, you know. So when you do these, when you do the natural, it allows God to do the super. And when you look at the word supernatural, right, the definition is attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. And we understand that there ain't no law that bills just disappear, right? So we ought to understand that we serve a God who is supernatural and can make these things move, right? And I got a Bible for y'all, too. We're going to uh, look at uh, Luke 5, chapters 4 through 7. Yes, and um, it reads, 
Uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink beyond the understanding of natural law, right? The same spot they had been cast in this whole time, right? Nothing. They cast a net, and now they got so much food that fish that not only does his net break, right, but his fans boat begin to sink, right? Um, so uh, you got to do the natural if you want God to do the super, right? You have to throw the net, right? The fish wasn't just going to jump into the boat, right? You have to throw the net, right? And literally, as soon as he threw the net, boom, right? Fish galore. And I think one thing that is, that is, that is oftentimes missing that, right, is that oftentimes when we think about, right, doing our natural part, we think of this, like, eccentric, complex, convoluted, right, action, right? We think about this 12-year super thought-out plan, and, and sometimes it's just as simple as throwing the net, Right, it's just as simple as throwing a net. Right, you want to lose some weight? You asking God to deliver you for some pain? You, you you just gotta go on a diet. Right, like that. That's it. Right, you 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 asking God for financial breakthrough. Right, but you you gotta apply for a job. Right, you you asking God to to reveal itself in your life. Right, you gotta open the Bible. Right, you 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 these oftentimes these natural things are are very simple. Right, we just have to. We want God to do. The super we have to do the natural, all right. And 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 as I was writing this, uh, as I was going through this sermon, um, a, a random just thought just popped popped in my head, and it was when me and my wife went to uh, New Orleans with uh, the Mayases. Uh and uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know if New Orleans know how to make a bad restaurant. Like we ate so good, we ate so good, man, we ate so good. And um, I was wondering, I was like, God, why you just put that on me right there? Like, I, I'm, I'm hungry, but like, it, what, 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 what was to that? And what was to it was that um, in New Orleans, if y'all don't know, they have a heavy like Creole, uh, or it's very Creole based down in, and if I'm not mistaken, they are, they believe in like the voodoo and the, the uh, what is it, the, uh, the, the fortune telling, palm reading, all that, right? And we went down to uh, the French quarters and they got palm readers just lined up like bucket boys. Like, just, you, if you don't like that vision, you can just go and do another vision, right? But it was one uh, lady in particular, she had um, the oxygen tank um, in her, like, nostrils and was just kind of sitting on the side, like, all connected. But she was also smoking a cigarette. And, and we walked past, and y'all got to pray for Elder Derek. We walk past and he goes, she didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, I mean, we was rolling, right? Like, we was rolling. And, and if you just continue to humor me, right, understanding that, let's just say she did, like, right, see, she had this, she had this ailment coming, right? But you got the cigarette in your mouth. Right? If you want God to deliver you from this, right, the, the, the oxygen tank, you got to put the cigarette down. Right? If you want God to do the super, you got to do the natural. 
all right? And um, it's this quote, and it says, you can't just pray like it depends on God. You also have to work like it depends on you, all right? Because God has uh, already had these things prepared, right? God already had the fish prepared for Simon. He just had to throw the net. Right, God already has that promotion or that job ready for you. You just gotta apply. Right, God has that healing for you. Right, you just gotta either go on a diet or, or, or eat the medicine. Right, God has that healthy marriage for you. You just gotta give Him some. You know, that, that, that's, that was my nana coming out. Um, but I just want to. <laughs> you, you caught it. You caught it. Uh, but I just want to encourage you today that, right, God wants to do some super things in your life, right? He's just waiting for you to do the natural. So just like Simon, right, you actually have to throw the net to catch the fish, right? So I encourage you today, right, throw your net, right, because God is ready to blow your mind. Amen.